Hi there. My name's Charlie Gregg. I'm a, a geologist and a geologic advisor to American Eagle Gold Corp, uh, who is exploring the NAC, uh, the rediscovery of the NAC porphyry copper gold uh, molly system in central BC. And American Eagle has uh, been very active this winter, uh, hammering away at NAC with, uh, with recent drilling. Charlie, thank you for the introduction. Uh, good to meet you. I see we're in uh, esteemed company. We've got the left representative through Che Guevara, and we've got the right represented uh, through Donald Trump. You know, it's kind of a you're you're, you're trying to balance uh, your influences, perhaps. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I don't want to scare anybody off on either side. I'm really kind of a centrist overall. Just uh, trying to discover some mineral resources that people across the globe can utilize and, uh, you know, bring wealth to their economies. Uh, they can take it whatever way they want. But uh, yeah, I'm, I've worked, uh, you know, in Cuba and I've worked in Trump country for sure. And by the looks of it, you've worked in Eritrea as well. That's correct. Yeah, I've worked there quite a bit. Great to Great people in, in Eritrea. Um, yes, you bet. I've worked there a lot. It's a wonderful part of the world. Well, um, now you're in Canada. We can do the mashup with, with, with Trump's strapline, you know, make Canada great again. And not that it was never great. Um, but <laughs> right. tell me about uh, NAC. First of all, how did you come to under, how did you come to know about it? And, and have you been part of the kind of the, the story with American Eagle for a while? Uh, well, I've known about it for quite a while. In fact, I had uh, adjacent mineral claims staked personally probably you know ten to fifteen years ago. Um, an ex, uh, you know, uh, ex staking partner of mine, ex prospecting partner of mine, uh, Bernie Kraft, is the underlying rights holder. So he's held that property for a long time, um, and it was kind of through that connection, I think, how they got a hold of us. Uh, our, our group, I, I run a small consulting firm um, kind of named after me, and uh, the fellows who have done most of the work are the geologists that have uh, done most of the work. They're not all fellows. Um, on the property for American Eagle, work for me in our small group, and uh, they contacted us. We had a kind of a, a decent reputation, partly from discovering a, another porphyry um, farther to the northwest in B.C., um, the Saddle north uh, deposit uh, in gt gold and that was uh, that was taken out by newmont in uh, 2021 um so uh you know we had that reputation we had that connection and and they brought us in involved us and uh, and we did a lot of the technical work uh, and when i go through your the the uh, american eagle presentation there's a section at the back which talks about the the history um and I'm intrigued to see that this, some of the early discovery holes were drilled in the 1960s. That's right. Actually, it was it was a discovery um, from what I've I've read uh, that is credited to Naranda. Naranda's explored a lot of uh, a lot of properties across Canada and elsewhere. Obviously, um, uh, you know, eventually, I think it after numerous takeovers and mergers, etc., it's become. Uh, a valet, or maybe Glencore, I forget, um, or maybe both. And uh, um, yes, they were there doing stream sediment sampling, I think, in 1964. So they got anomalous copper in one of the creeks and and just went from there and did stage systematic exploration in, in uh, 
it culminated in drilling, and they and they made the discovery then in the in the late sixties, I would imagine, or maybe early seventies. But did quite a bit of jo- drilling in the early seventies. And and then there've been a kind of various waves of exploration that have gone through. Um, um, Hera uh, exploration got it involved. Copper Ridge was involved, um, and then it was kind of um, it came into NAC. Sorry, it came into American Eagle at the end of twenty twenty one, and last year. Seven holes were drilled, lots of mineralization, uh, some pretty good uh, grades were in there. Can you summarize where you think the the understanding of the deposit is now, uh, you know, after once you've kind of assimilated the information up to the end of last year's drilling? Uh, yes, I think um, the difference between sort of then and now is is all these other programs, the drilling has been quite shallow. So... Um, you know, up until fairly recently, they didn't do, you know, block cave, underground block cave bulk mining of porphyry style deposits. It, it was mainly just open pit and you really, you know, couldn't do a practical open pit all that deeply um, on most of the smaller deposits anyway, um, you know, cost effectively. So they didn't explore very deeply. And I don't think there was a hole drilled below stay 350 meters uh, below surface at, at NAC until this year. And uh, so that's kind of uh, changed things is that uh, the fellows that brought this project to uh, to American Eagle um, recognized through some deeper looking airborne geophysical surveys that there was some routes to uh, to the NAC system and, and that prompted a sort of a deeper look that, that has driven this uh, this most recent phase of exploration. The potential to find a kind of system which goes at depth, maybe a kind of a high-grade core, that's kind of the, the, the key attraction to it. Um, typically, when one looks at porphyry systems, there's normally this kind of vertical zonation. But I've noticed uh, in a few of the BC porphyries that there's a kind of a um, there's an inclined nature to the intrusions or perhaps alteration. And I'm, I, I, my, I, I wonder whether that is a feature of emplacement or whether it's some kind of post emplacement deformation, a rotation or a, um, a kind of structural change. Or, I wonder what your take is. Do you think it's kind of that's the way that the stock came in originally? I would say, you know, the drive is more vertical. Uh, I'm sure there are some inclined parts of porphyry systems, but I would say. Uh, in BC, which has seen a lot of deformation, um, you know, through the eons, if you want, really, it's most most of British Columbia is relatively young geologically, so it would be mostly mostly sort of Mesozoic def- deformation. So, um, you know, post three hundred or post really, yeah, yeah, post three hundred for sure. Uh, but this system is actually quite young. This is a this is an ES probably an Eocene age system. So. You know, post fifty or fifty and younger, a little bit younger, um, and so I would say this has a better chance of being upright. It hasn't been ex- uh, subjected to the big mid Cretaceous deformation or Triassic Jurassic boundary type deformation. So this one, you know, will has a better chance of being more upright, and it sort of seems that way. That most of the contacts that we've seen. Um, you know, in the drilling, and it's not a very well exposed area, so there's not a great surface control geologically. Uh, but most of the contacts seem pretty steep, so it seems like it is kind of upright. And yeah, you tend to have the heat flow; it things are going more or less straight up. So uh, yeah, unless there's some stratigraphic control that exists prior that might control things that way, uh, it might be more of a vertical 
uh, orientation. It's certainly simpler to understand, and it's kind of um, it, it's it, yeah, the, 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 all of the theory kind of um, is based on a kind of a on a on a vertical uh, system. So that that's right, yeah. Um, and the drill holes last year were driven by geophysics. You had this in, in the presentation. There's a nice um, concentric kind of mag anomaly, and then there's a uh, a halo uh, IP anomaly, presumably kind of picking out the pyrite shell around the, the, the flanks of the main porphyry stock. You call it the babine stock, don't you? That's, that's kind of the main, the main intrusion phase. Um, do you feel that you, the drilling correlated well with what you, what you saw? I think geophysically, yes, it, it, it broadly does. I mean, it's a big geophysical system and it's kind of hard to see the details within that, but there are some details if you model it up well uh, you can you can see that uh, if you get the right uh, modeler and the geophysical data generally is pretty good mostly well pretty much all pre-existing it definitely is all pre-existing we didn't do any uh, at least so far um yes it's uh, it, it kind of has yielded what was expected uh, we targeted that you know a kilometer down and that was a deep geophysical anomaly that was outlined by an air, air, airborne uh, geophysical survey, kind of within that uh, mag high and within that pyrite shell that's imaged by the IP chargeability. And you talk about, uh, there's another stock, you know, one of your holes, I think it was hole four, went into the, I'm going to get the, the, the pronunciation room, uh, Nakinini, Nakini Lerac um, stock. Um, which is a kind of a separate, I mean, it was labeled as being different to the to the babine stock. So, I mean, do you see lots of pulses of different kind of chemistry and different different mineralization, or is it just that you can identify the the host rock as a different um, uh, mineralizing or to a, a, a different emplacement? Um, yeah, there is there is some a number of different phases. Some of them are hard to tell from a, the, you know what may be the host rock. There could be an early mineral phase that's. Uh, very difficult to identify because of the alteration. Maybe we'll be able to do that when we work up the trace element data a bit better. But uh, yes, the uh, yeah, it's a tricky one to pronounce for sure. And I'm not even sure I have it right, but Nakamilarak uh, is kind of the way I, I do it. But uh, um, yeah, it is a tricky one. So NAC is an obvious way to go. But uh, yeah, there is, it seems there's a an intrusive phase, and there's a bit of argument about this. Uh, um, we had someone in yesterday that thought one of them was maybe a host to facious rock that was mineralized, but I call them a copper dikes, and, uh, you know, it just it makes it simple. They're loaded with bornite, disseminated bornite. They have a few bornite veins in them, but uh, generally they're just loaded with fine grain disseminated bornite and even, you know, small bornite millimeter scale aggregates that are a little bit bigger. Um, and these, these are coming right up, uh, you know, probably late in the, in, in the emplacement of these bodies, but, uh, they're dike-like features, generally steep, um, and very well mineralized and they would be post, uh, post the stock, the, ba the babine porphyry stock. Okay. So you, so you've got a first phase of, um, the kind of the hypothesis comes up with its kind of mineralizing fluids, and then you've got these kind of cross-cutting dikes, um, which are bornite rich and sometimes have bornite veins in them. I mean, some of the photographs are really beautiful, really stunning. That's right. Yes, the uh, the mineralizer 
mineralization is 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 gorgeous really yeah. especially those veins are very graphic and the purple bornite is beautiful and sometimes there's calcopyrite in there and there's also primary calcocyte i didn't believe it at first but uh, i've been convinced now and yes those copper minerals are are more copper rich than calcopyrite so it really adds to things when you uh, when you get to uh, uh, those kind of things in in the rocks. Now, presumably, those dikes are not important volumetrically. Um, you know, they won't they won't move the needle on on kind of a, a, a bulk tonnage, but they may be important vectors for you. Well, yeah, I I think that's right. Maybe maybe what we've seen, you know, volumetrically, um, some of them are thin. We've had some pretty broad intercepts of those things, and not really been too sure you know what the what the true width of those uh, those things are um you know the dike contacts can be modified structurally um so we're not really sure what you know whether they're they turn and go more sill like or how thick they are originally um i think they're really important to understand because you know if you can get a, a you know a dike swarm for example and dikes often do occur in swarms where you know there's a number of them you know, over a certain width, if you get a bunch of those together, um, then the wall rock, I think, is going to be very well mineralized. So in 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 uh, combination, I think that think that that could be tremendous, actually. And I and I think it's worth exploring. And it also kind of depends on the host rock that they're emplaced into. It seems like, uh, for example, at NAC, there's a host conglomeratic sequence that really sucks up the mineralization and i would guess and it's you know it's an educated guess some people would say well if it's a guess by charlie it's not all that well educated and they're probably right but uh um with one of with some of these dikes coming through this sort of more permissive host maybe it's more permeable i'm not sure but um i think that's a great place to be sort of searching for where those two things come together the conglomerate you know it was intersect and we don't really know the age of that. Obviously, it's older than the dikes and older than the stock. But uh, when the conglomerate get, comes together with some of these well-mineralized dikes, um, that could be a great place to look for more or more high-grade ore. What are your tools for vectoring in on, let's say, um, an increased density of dikes or uh, a possible location of the intersection between dikes and conglomerates? Uh, and or navigating the the kind of classic porphyry architecture. You know, what, what do you what do you, you you've you've done the geophysics. You've got some basic drilling. Um, how do you kind of work on the on the fine tuning or the granularity, as the um, is, is a popular phrase, I think. Um, well, that that's a great question. I mean, it uh, it just leads to how do we explore this thing? And I would say, you know, it's geology. But where do you get that geology? You're going to get that geology from looking at the historic data um we started to started to do that is it detailed enough the logging do they identify the same lithologies um and then it's just drilling really um drilling and doing good geology and trying to link up what we've seen in these you know we did seven holes that are all fairly deep but they're the only deep holes on the property um we basically don't have hardly any of the previous core. I mean, the latest drilling was 2008, um, and that is out there, I think, stored out in the, uh, you know, out near where the drill holes uh, were drilled. 
Um, and I'm not sure if we've gone and got that or not, but that's what I was told just the other day at PDAC that, uh, um, you know, by Jerry Carlson, who ran the company Copper Ridge that drilled in 2008, he said the core was out there. So I don't think we've located that yet, but, uh, be good to look at that and then start tying the geology together. Really. It's, uh, maybe a little bit more geophysics, but pretty much drilling and then geology just trying to put it all together it's um i've got the um i've got the the historic data here uh there's eighteen thousand meters drilled over time naranda did about 1800 hira did about fifteen thousand meters average depth 200 meters with one hole that went down to 466 below surface and copper ridge did under a thousand meters in four holes yes so in total, eighteen thousand meters historic, and you've got six thousand meters, and and um, which has got those kind of those deep pierce points. Um, so obviously, it'd be good to um, it'd be good to get access to that to that core, um, but trying to locate the collars and trying to trying to reconstruct that is that's that's quite a um, a challenge in itself, isn't it? What's your, what's your drill plan for? this year or, or you know what's the next drilling phase going to entail um well that that is being planned right now but i i think a really simplistic way of looking at it is to uh is to go okay well where was the best near surface uh where were the best near surface results well we have uh we kind of collared from a zone was known as the south zone which is the richest zone that was outlined in the previous drilling and you have to remember this is this is a big system with that pyrite halo. So that chargeability high has been targeted by some of those old holes. And that's, you know, quite a ways out from where we drilled. So we're sort of focused in on a, on a, uh, on a particular area. And we sort of, dr we drilled some holes that were a fair ways uh, away from some of the south zone uh, holes that had been drilled previously. So we've sort of expanded the surface print footprint of the good or of the best copper gold mineralization at surface. Um, but for our drilling coming up, I think what we want to do is to continue to expand that and understand that higher grade near surface part, because that's really where the, you know, where a project makes it or breaks it is, do you have some good, easily accessible mineralization? So some really, truly economic mineralization. And then we want to tie that uh, good mineralization to, um, you know, say the, the zone where we, we hit good, uh, good mineralization or really good mineralization at the upper part of say hole four to the north, uh, tie that together and then tie, you know, tie all that near surface, uh, uh, better mineralization to the better intercepts at depth. How can we do that? And I think the thing is to, is to drill from near that south zone initially and then just work it down and tie everything together at depth because just, you know, prospecting deep, deep holes, trying to link things up really, really deep, um, you know, is an expensive way to go. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's hard to do that. It's, there's just not much information there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a sense, I can understand kind of a, a small step out if you wanted to kind of do an incremental expansion of your underground of your deeper resource but to try and tie up uh unknowns that's a relatively high risk and high cost uh way of doing it 
Um, do you see any benefit in um, more surface work, whether that's geology, geochemistry, or geophysics, to kind of get your recent overlay? Or are you comfortable with the data sets that you've got? I think generally we're comfortable. We have discussed with a, a geophysicist uh, who's a good friend of mine that was involved with the, uh, you know, with the Saddle North discovery, um, Alex Walcott, uh, you know, and he's he's uh, looked at the previous geophysics for us and uh, and recommended some just a couple of couple three lines maybe of, I, of IP across this to sort of look a little deeper than the previous IP, but not you know not a not a big or expensive survey. Um, and I think we're in agreement with that. Um, you know, there is there is a new logging road system in there, so we drilled. All of the holes this year, you know, from uh, from a clear cut, um, so you know it's just easier access, and and perhaps there's some more exposure that uh, uh, that is evident from uh, from you know recent uh, logging cuts, etc. So certainly we'll look at that, and I think we will, you know, we'll look at the surface outcrop if we can, and uh, um, and it's there. There's not a lot from what uh, what we know, but. Uh, that would certainly be something that uh, would be wise to do. Because of glacial till cover? That's right, yeah. So there's a pretty extensive glacial, glacial till. It's not, you know, it's maybe 20, maybe 30 meters thick, something like that maximum, I think, maybe a bit more in places, but less in other places as well. But generally it's there uh, in the area of drilling. I think, you know, marginally uh, to the west of east, there's some highlands that have a little more exposure um, and you know, I think we'll, we'll go take a look at that for sure. Good. Um, so I, I understand that phase phase two drilling, kind of the um, American Eagle phase two drilling is in, in planning. Um, uh, have you got all of the data back from 2022? Have you got all of the core back? Have you released all of the results? You know, it, 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 are, you, are you kind of fully up to date? Uh, yeah, I would say more or less. We've got all the assays back. They've all been released to both seven holes. Uh and uh, we have all the core in southern BC, um, and we're looking at it. To, you know, it's really important to to pull out the assays, to model the trace element data, and and look at the core again with assays in hand, so that you can, you know, it just it it just allows you to to understand better what the controls on mineralization are. For example, you just look down the assay sheet, and okay, you know, there's a break. All of a sudden, you've got uh, you know, lower grades after some really good grade, and you know what what occurs when you see that break between the better mineralization and, and uh, rocks that are not as well mineralized. I mean, they're all mineralized. That's that's one of the big things about uh, NAC that I really like is that there are these better grade zones, and they're broad. Um, but in between, the rocks are mineralized. You know, they'll have maybe not that many bornite veins or something like that in them, but they all return some grade. And, uh, you know, it tells you that you're in a very large system. If you don't understand it, there's a darn good chance because we fit high grade, you know, all the way down in these holes or, you know, it's not super high grade, but it's, it's darn good grade that somewhere in there you can put it all together and, uh, um, on all it takes is more work. So, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting, actually. Bornite uh, often um, is kind of um, it attracts gold over Chalcopyrite. You often find that kind of the gold is in the 
in, in, in the bornite uh, mineral rather than in uh, than elsewhere. And bornite rich systems often have a higher gold overprint. And, and the NAC system seems to have that gold fingerprint um, or overlay or association. Can you identify what makes uh, the, 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 inter, the parts of your drill hole intersections that are higher grade you know, what are the defining features? Is it an in, in intensity of alteration or is it a porosity or an permeability thing of the of the host rock? Uh, is, is it a kind of a lithological thing or is it a mineral assemblage? Have you managed to kind of pick out any patterns so far from the logging back with the assays? Probably asking the the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, our project manager and the, and the uh, Neil Prouse and... Uh, and the geologist uh, David Hoke that worked with him, you know, deserve uh, to be on here answering these questions. You're kind of putting me on the spot, but uh, I would say I don't have that understanding right now. Um, I wouldn't say it's always, you know, when you get bornite, you get high gold uh, at NAC, and that's one of the things that makes it interesting and a challenge is that. You know, sometimes it's more the calcopyrite rich that is carrying the gold. Other times, the bornite. Uh, style might be dominant and the gold's there and I could be wrong on that but uh, it's it doesn't seem like it's just one thing or another and I consider that that good complicated systems uh, that are challenging you know generally are good it's good to see that kind of complexity and uh, and you know we just have to work that out yet I would say well, it's always good to have cubic kilometers of mineralized material, which is what you seem to have. Well, that's it, right? I mean, it's it's pretty simple from my perspective. That's I love seeing, you know, okay, well, you know, maybe it's only, you know, 0.15 or 0.2 or something like that for a big stretch. But, you know, it's it's always mineralized all the way down these holes. I love seeing that. And uh, just remind me about um, access and, and snow melts and things. You know, what's what's your operating window here? Well, I mean, uh, the neighbors, Amark Resources, are drilling uh, right now up there. So you can drill year-round. And uh, they're drilling on the neighboring property. It actually is contiguous. There's no claims in between or anything like that. But they're dr- drilling away on a, on a, a prospect they call Duke. Um you know, obviously they wouldn't be drilling right now if they hadn't had some success. So, uh, you know, they've drilled uh, before Christmas um, and they're drilling and overlapped with the end of our program um, and they're drilling right now. So you can drill all year round. Um, They generally take a bit of a break when, uh, you know, the spring comes comes around because it gets kind of muddy and mucky and... Yeah, the shoulder seasons. Yeah, and then, but then they can drill, you know, then you can drill right into the winter and through the winter. So uh, it's great. And the logging roads system up there is pretty extensive. So getting around is uh, is relatively inexpensive compared to parts of BC where it's mountainous and you're using helicopters to sling the drills in, et cetera, right? That's expensive. So it's it's good from that perspective. No helicopters? Not really, no. No, just take the barge across Babine Lake and get on the system and it's it's great. Well, I won't presume anything. When when are you likely to start drilling? Um, well, we're redoing a multi-year permit permit, so we're working with uh, Lake Babine Nation and the uh, Ministry, BC Ministry of Mines, uh, to to uh, you know get a five-year multi multi-year uh, permit uh, for the NAC property, and I, I think we hope to get going in June. So. Uh, 
yeah, everything seems to be working out fine. I think good. Well, um, I look forward to seeing the 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 drill program and the the, the definition of the targets and the rationale for that. Um, and uh, thank you very much for the introduction to the to the project. I've, I've uh, I feel as if I know a lot better than I did at the start of the call, which I think is the point of it. Well, thanks, Merlin. I appreciate it. And yeah, we're really looking forward to getting going again this year. And uh, I think it'll be exciting for sure.